0: Welcome to Postscript World on Fire Season 2. I'm Fred Vigian along with Matt Wilson. Hey, Matt. Hi, friend. How are you? Good, good. good. We are into the yep. second episode of Season 2. And uh, support for uh, support for Postscript World on Fire comes from Rogers & Associates. More information available at rogers-associates.com.
1: You Let's get into Episode 2. Um, where do you want to begin? So I'm tempted to say this feels a bit more like World on Fire. Okay, And I don't know if that's because a few more old characters are coming back. But yeah. this episode was a little easier for me to feel like I was watching <laughs> yes. versus, you know, critiquing the whole time. The
0: first episode was more panic right. just because we didn't
1: know what was going right. on. There were a lot of new people. There were, we were missing a lot of people. We didn't know what was going yeah. on. Um, but my, my core thought, I think, is yes, we do have some older characters come back. Uh, we have a new character or two show up. But this episode is all about Lois, Cassia, and baby Vera. Yes. Even, even I would even drill it down to a specific scene that I thought was oh, okay. the crux of this Which episode. One would that be? This was when they're having uh, Cassia and Lois are having tea together and they're discussing change. Yes. And depression and, and anxiety and all the things that their lives have been introduced to. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Oh, uh, okay. we are confirmed Lois is alive. Lois is alive, right. yes. tea death at the end of the, the first episode mm-hmm. of the season. The second time now they've teased us with a possible character death. Now there yes, were actual legit one. character deaths off-screen, but this is the second time we've seen a on-screen tease. Yep. So she's alive. She's physically alive, but emotionally it's... internally she is struggling. I was going to say she seems more like
0: Cassia now where just a changed person, yeah. a changed character, really frozen, not sure. Not sure how to mother, it seems like. Right. She's just having a tough time with that. Not that we saw much of that prior, but right. wasn't didn't seem as much of an issue. No,
1: and she confides this sort of internal struggle with a couple of people. Early we see with Tom mm-hmm. at the graveside of their, their father. Um she flat out tells Tom, I I don't really feel love for the baby. I don't really feel much of anything right now. And I I I considered suicide. I wanted to die in that building. Mm. She she says, I I just I stayed. I, I, I watched it come down and she saw that as an escape, potential escape from what she sees as a really horrific life right now. It's, so yeah, I mean, I felt that, mm-hmm. um, that kind of, um, struggle with depression with, with all the emotions that come with, you know, that loss of control, that feeling that, you know, nothing is, is what I want. Nothing is, is going my way. Uh, it's tough.
0: I agree, and, and and we did see Tom briefly at at the gravesite, as you mentioned, and you know, Tom was trying his best to refocus Lois, mm-hmm. you know, saying, "You're all I've got. You can't take us yeah. now." But, um, but yeah, to that point, I wonder if um, uh, to your point, if she, if her motivation to reenlist is she just doesn't feel like she has anything left to 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 live for. Yeah, you know?
1: I was she. Uh, but... It's interesting that she still sees a, a sense of service as an option, yeah. um, but to me, it, it looks like a vehicle of escape. You know, it's like this this thing that I'm kind of doing, not really enjoying, but doing, could be my ticket out of where I don't want to be.
0: Right, staying here in what is a changed world, and you know, at this point in time, no one knows when things will change, different, you know, for the better or worse. Right.
1: Uh, that she's it, yeah. just got to get out of here. Yeah, and outside of Tom, I mean, everything she's experiencing must be painful. You know, yeah. her house where her father used to live, he's gone. There's this baby here from an old boyfriend that is off to war and is he married some other you know, young woman. W- who uh, she's now mad. Yeah, she lives with all these people that continually cause pain and, and memories of loss, and I, it just, there's no respite for her, I think. So yeah. I'm willing to, to say I kind of get it as much as it's hard to watch i, I, I i'm not gonna judge her I, I think i get it
0: yeah and i mean i i feel like the most dramatic part of the episode was the very end of it um you know that was probably the most emotional part yeah. um basically wheeling um the bassinet up to um up to the door mm-hmm. of um my goodness. It was Robina's house. Robina's yeah. house, thank you. I wasn't Rubina. sure what building it was at first until... <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, but, but you can see Robina st- yep. stick her head yeah. out of the window, or st- behind the, the blinds anyways, and... uh and she's you know, obviously, uh, Lois is going through with it, yeah, she's moving on. And
1: what was so interesting about this is that Cassia might have been the catalyst to help her make that decision. They had a, a that, yeah, that moment I alluded to at the beginning to me was the most powerful part of this episode, or m- maybe even the season so far. but um they're having tea together, and they're talking through. and they both kind of share that, you know they each want to find a get a way to get away. Mm-hmm. or Cassia did. In essence, although she's still not thrilled with where she's at, but Lois is fully in this, um, and Cassie reads her really well. I, I, I think she says, um, "You know, you say certain things enough to yourself, and you start to believe them. Yep. Like I, I can't do this. I want out. I, I don't belong here." Um, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, of course, but then she adds, "Believe it. You know, once you believe it, because you've you've convinced yourself, then you can forgive yourself." for doing what you want to do because you've now convinced yourself that this is the only choice. So it's a little bit of mental gymnastics and self-delusion, but um, it is a way of coping uh, with, again, these horrible situations. I mean, at least
0: she has some of her family now reunited. Um, Right. uh, Gregors and
1: Jan are
0: there uh, presumably all living together at Rubina's house. Uh, Jan and
1: Cassie, definitely. Gregor's, again, somehow became some sort of mechanic or serviceman at an Air Force base. Uh, right. he knows some of the pilots. He's interacting with David. I, I still don't quite understand how all that happened. But they are all definitely in Manchester and yeah. able to contact each other. Yeah,
0: there, there's yeah. There's certainly a gap there that we need to... Uh, hopefully we will um, g- connect that dot maybe next right. episode. We'll see. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know uh, Robina's just got this house of
1: miscellaneous characters yeah she jokes about that so this was I'm glad you, you bridged that because this was really interesting this this part I'm about to explain it really feels like the show is written for me personally which is bizarre <laughs> but um so Jan is reading the hobbit Okay. Uh, the Hobbit, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. of course, published, I had to look this up in 1937, so very oh, okay. what's super interesting about this obviously, like most people, not most people many people, uh, huge fan of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, we also had a George Orwell reference mm-hmm. uh, in season one yep. and I uh, have collected several pieces, uh, not his real name it's a pen name, but several pieces by George Orwell I had wondered in an earlier PostScript episode if Animal Farm or 1984 might have been published turns out they were not Uh, Animal Farms, 1945, and uh, 1984, published in 1949. So these came a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But by this point in time, around 1940, Orwell had a ton of fiction, nonfiction, and other articles published. So he would have been very Mm well-known, especially in England. So having those two authors show up is pretty cool. And the way Tolkien gets mixed in in this episode is Jan is reading The Hobbit and sharing specifically the scene where Gandalf the Wizard uh, approaches Bilbo, forces him to have a big party for all these dwarves that are coming and then uh, takes him out on a big adventure. And Robina is like, I can't believe Gandalf would do this. He would force this onto him or onto uh, Bilbo and make him make the decision. And, and Jan just summarizes it so nicely. He says, um, no, what's cool about it is that Bilbo decides to do it. He chooses. Mm. Hmm. He makes the choice to accept these people in his home and go on this big adventure. And that's where we leave that scene. There's no real response to that. But I love it. Yeah. no, I mean, it's um, and, and you know, a couple episodes to go. But Jan is kind of working on the heartstrings of being of you have a choice here. You, you can decide what to do. And she's st- t- certainly
0: demonstrated that that uh, she has taken to Jan. Um, you know, we saw in an episode in the first season where she stood up for mm-hmm. him Um, But, yeah, she seems to have developed a soft spot.
1: Some of the knocks of having no maternal instincts may or may not be fully true. Maybe it's just a defense mechanism. Right, certainly. Um, But then, yeah, then, uh, okay, so Sir James, who the heck? In my notes here, I just said, who is this dude? All right, James (laughs) Denimore. So we learned a little bit about him. Uh, Apparently some civil servant has a lot of connections in the government and the sort of the wheels of power. Um, I think the word we're looking for is Billeted. Billeted okay. is a, uh, you have, uh, it's almost like quartering <laughs> something we uh, put in the, the Bill of Rights in the U.S. that we aren't forced to do. But I believe this person is placed in Robina's house as part of a sort of um, martial law type stipulation, that they're oh. at war. Um, he needed to be placed around Manchester for some reason. And oh, so I Robina's see. house was either selected somehow or she somehow volunteered to host government officials for a period of the war. Okay. Um, he has some connections. He actually helps uh, clear up Cassia's legal issue yeah. of her, we'll call it an assault, although we all feel it was justified, but her assault of that older gentleman mm-hmm. in the cafe back in episode one. Um, he's good at chess. He plays uh, chess with Jan. And then through both his teaching uh, to Jan of some tactics of chess about yeah. guile and subterfuge, uh, in the presence of a weapon in one of his suitcases and some other technology that he brings, I think Cassio overhears him on the radio late at night there's definitely an extra layer to this guy
0: yeah there's more to come yeah, yeah
1: there's there's something
0: there uh i mean and, and Robina was aware he was coming, it seemed, but just not on the didn right wasn 't quite sure how it up. worked yeah. know,
1: there's jokes about. Meals being provided, there was a room clearly provided, he brought flowers, he helped set up a Christmas tree, which actually helps timestamp the episode, we're definitely, Hanukkah's mentioned as well, so we're drifting into December 1940, but. I, I, it seemed like a Charlie Brown, I know, it's uh, yeah, Charlie Brown sure looking Christmas tree, well, he, which, you He know. found it somewhere, yeah. it seems, so he made a joke about it, but. Um, so that is the story behind there. It seems like some sort of government official that needs to be in the area and is placed in this home okay. with a room provided minimally, and Robina is trying to figure out what all that means in practicality. He seems like a nice guy in general, but, you know, there's a layer there. Again.
0: There's, yeah, mystique that yeah. we still have yet to determine. Right. Um, so we have him. We have Lois's baby. We have yep. Jan and Cassia. Uh, and obviously together. Robina. Um and Joyce, the, the housekeeper. Jo- yeah, housekeeper. Yep. Uh, Harry's off, and so, and we'll get to him in a minute, but Harry's <laughs> off in uh, north northern Africa. Yeah,
1: not a lot happens here. We do get the reunion that we, yeah, we saw were coming, Harry and Stan. Uh, a few things that were interesting for me, we confirmed Harry's rank as a lieutenant, or mm-hmm. lieutenant as the English pronounce it. Stan is a sergeant, it turns out. Oh, okay. I don't know there. if I had heard that or if I just made that up, but got Sergeant Stan. Um, They are there with the uh, Egyptian Sapper unit. They're fighting the Italians, and the purpose was cleared up. Um, There are oil and other fuel-based supply lines coming out of Africa that they are there to secure to help kind of further the war effort. If that gets cut off, then they lose their fuel supply, and that would be a bad thing. So a little more clear why they're there. Uh, I'm a little annoyed that, Lois pegged Cairo, Egypt as a location for her Mm. uh, service. Because I I just, yeah, exactly. So we'll, (laughs) whatever. It's the show. They do that. Um, But that's fine. Um, But the only other thing that really of interest that we learned in the Egypt storyline is uh, Harry is wounded. It's a small wound on his leg. It wouldn't be a a, a major issue, but the medic confirms it's already septic, which is not a good thing. It Mm -hmm. means it's infected and... um, and medicine, of course, in the 1940s, especially in the middle of a desert, is not real great. So right. they drop that, they make kind of a big point of it for a scene, and then That's it's gone. So I don't remember him being wounded. I don't think there was a moment where we saw that happen. No. Um, and I don't know why he didn't get care when he was back in England. But The only fun. thing
0: I could think of is when, um, when he was dropped in you know, right before he was
1: re uh, reunited Poland, with Cassio. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. I don't recall. It's interesting. There's a gap there. So, um, <laughs> so uh, other places we can hit, because I, I think I want to save Germany for last. Cause the Germany oh, plot yeah. lines kill me in That's this a newer show. One. Oh, but we oh, go to oh. Paris briefly, so Henriette and Albert are still <laughs> yeah.
0: alive and kicking. It's good to see Albert again, unfortunately. I mean, good to see him. Sad to see
1: exactly Agreed. where we left him. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Webster's nowhere to be found, but I, th- I think that's just think non-show-related reasons, yeah. yeah. Um, but Henriette it turns out, has a brother, Luke, who becomes a way for her to get more interested in Albert's situation in the prison. Yeah, she's um, still working at the same hospital she correct. was, although things are getting a little tighter there. Yeah, the, the, the Third Reich is clearly uh, infiltrated and looking for people that they uh, do not uh, like. Let's just at that simply yeah. it's over- oversimplification of course um so henry tries to get her brother to uh, escape back out of the hospital that he's crept into somehow he gets caught gets put in the same camp as albert and then uh, everybody gets united in that way looks like they're plotting some sort of minor escape plan mm-hmm. um that uh who knows hey i mean there's albert, a whole lot of movement uh,
0: yeah i mean he was suggesting you know don't worry you know kind of like what he would say to webster is like you know we'll you trying to do something could, could, could cause more harm than for all of us. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. But, uh, you know, I mean, so that storyline
1: is back. Right. Um, David, who I'm still trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with. So he's the Air Force pilot. Yeah. We're generally not supposed to like cocky. him, but we do learn yeah. something interesting. So he explains to one of his superiors, I guess, is um, the fact that he jokes and laughs a little bit is his way of dealing with the stress mm-hmm. and the loss and as he says, the fact that half the world hates him because he's Jewish, which right. I, I, I get. Um, we do see him lose another wingman toward mm-hmm. the end of right the episode. The same, yeah. So it feels like this could be the kind of thing where these continued losses will shape his character a little bit, uh, how he approaches decision making. And, and, you know, it, who knows? Again, uh, we got a few episodes to go. Uh, it feels like a traditional arc, though, of where the realities of war and loss change you. Um, yeah. So we'll see if he's able to grow out of his sort of more casual defensive yeah. self. And, right, right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk Germany.
0: Goethe. Goethe,
1: Goethe, Goethe.
0: Yeah, I, you know, my uh, – so, so she – So. Uh, yeah. Th- this seems to be like a lot for
1: a young lady to be dealing with.
0: Yeah, women, so we have reasons, we but. have
1: Marga, who is the brainwash sort of, I, I use the term drinking the Kool-Aid. She has bought into this Germany, the the, the patriotism and this program specifically in Germany. Right. Um, Goethe is the friend uh, who gets it. Right. Who and he's who like, sees are you really sure as, about this? Yeah. She says, we're only 16. Yeah. This is brainwashing. This is, you know, they're talking you into this program that's terrible. And uh, Marga wants nothing to do with that. She actually arranges to turn her friend in to the Secret <sighs> Service.
0: Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Um, and then, and then she gets put into a situation to basically name somebody yeah. that's yeah. giving her this impression. This is the part that killed me. So yeah. this is typical total, totalitarian sort of system, but. Yes, we have you, young girl, but we want to know who else are you talking to? Right. Who else are you hearing from? And and she responds truthfully, Well, no, I just I think this is a terrible program. I'm I don't need someone mean. to tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and then they in essence put up, Well, hey, we can go get your parents or you can give us your somebody teacher. else, maybe this teacher we know about. Yeah. And she has no choice in this matter. I you know, you're gonna you're gonna choose your family, I I would imagine. If if um and the teacher <laughs> to his credit as he's getting dragged out past her and she's in tears. She apologizes. I think he says something along the lines to her of, you just got to do what you need to do to survive.
0: Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's what I mean. You know, my notes, I just put like, this seems like an awful lot for a 16 year old to be dealing with. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the theme again of this, this whole show so far is, Yes, there's a war, but the war is like a secondary character is really what is the war doing right. to all these people? And we're seeing the impact of this war and this fascist movement on on citizens of Germany, of people in England, people in northern Africa. Now, Paris, a ton of time in Poland. Uh, it's just it's everywhere. This war is mm-hmm. impacting everybody, whether they're actively fighting it or not. Agreed. So some closing thoughts. Uh, you know, Lois and Harry especially are fighting their own wars, but one is more internal and one is external. Yes. Um, Cassia, I'm a little more intrigued by lately. There's the option of will she try to be a mother to baby Vera? Uh, is this what all what she wants? Obviously not. I mean, to I,
0: I don't think it's what she wants, but uh, she'll maybe make up for whatever maternal lacking that Robina has, right. perhaps yeah. as someone that could be
1: as far as age goes, would right. qualify to be qualified. Would be her mother. In that place, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I still don't care much about David, but we'll see where that goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I i <laughs> We're not have a hard supposed time. to really like him at this point. It's it's fine. Yeah, they've created an unlikable character so far. Yeah. We'll see. And just again the the ties back to the people in Germany are mm-hmm. some of the most powerful. Yeah, the Rossler family, of course, from season one, yeah. but this new storyline is is difficult as well for the right reasons. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's what we think. It's a lot. But as always, we'd love to hear what you think. There's some ways you can be in touch with us. Uh, start with email. Uh, Postscript at witf.org or just ps at witf.org. We'll be happy to trade thoughts, answer questions on this show if you want to email us. You can find us in all the WTF social medias. Uh, You can also find us uh, in all the podcast directories. And if you want to check us out on YouTube, you can watch Postscript World on Fire. Uh, Leave a rating, leave a comment, like the episode, subscribe to the Mosaic channel, all that good stuff. Um we want to give a shout out again to Rogers and Associates for sponsoring Postscript World on Fire season 2. Uh you can find all this content on Mosaic and if you are having fun and would like to help us make more of this content, please visit witf.org/mosaic for all the info about the program and how you can help us. Any last thoughts? No, we uh, well, I you know I don't
0: even know what to expect in <laughs> episode three. That's my last thought. So uh, we look forward to talking with you uh, next time. Here